from Ringler, this is Ringler Radio, a podcast where we keep you current on the latest news from the settlement industry, updates on nationwide litigation, trends in the legal and insurance industries, and everything in between. Ringler has been helping injured people and their families since 1975. So when it comes to objective settlement solutions, the consultants at Ringler are your go-to experts. Welcome back to Ringler Radio. I'm your host, Matt Ross. Imagine it was just another day at work. You come home and feel a bit under the weather, thinking rest will do the trick. Well, things get worse, and you go to the hospital. Fast forward two weeks, and you're faced with a choice of death or the amputation of all your limbs to survive. What would you choose? For this episode, I interviewed a quadruple amputee who was injured at work, and Mike Z, a Ringler Settlement consultant who worked her case. They relive her story and reveal what others should do to advocate for themselves in the settlement process. Let's listen in. Karen and Mike, welcome to Ringler Radio. Yeah, thank you for having me. Glad to be here. Good morning, Matt. Good morning. So, Karen, we asked you here today to share your experience about basically the settlement process and what you went through specifically. But without reliving the nightmare, tell us what happened to you. Um, So, actually, it's December 11th of 2011. So, it's been a a little over 10 years. Um, Actually, I was working as a nurse here in uh, L.A. And, you know, I felt it was, you know, wintertime. So, I thought I had the flu. You know, I had flu-like symptoms. I said, okay, well, I'm just going to go home. And as a medical professional, I'm going to treat myself at home. So, right. <laughs> so I, I went home and actually I it started to get worse within two days. So, you know, normally by two days you feel better. You know, I, I rested, drank fluids. But after two days, I, it's, I started to feel terrible. All of a sudden I couldn't breathe. So I said, okay, now oh. I know that this is a lot more serious than um, I thought. So I, I called my mom. I was too scared to go to the ER. I've never been to the hospital before, besides obviously working. So that's why this is my first <laughs> time ever. So yeah. I was terrified. I lived alone uh. in an apartment. So I called my mom all the way from, you know, she probably lived 20 miles away. It was like three o'clock in the morning. I said, you need to drive me to the ER. So, uh, you know, she took me there and they uh, initially they, you know, they're asking me questions and I thought they're thinking I had H1N1, something, you know, that was kind of like COVID, you know, where they, because they were wearing, they're gowning up, they're wearing masks. And I said, oh, wow, I knew, I know this is something serious. Yeah. They wouldn't, they wouldn't initially tell me. And then um, I actually passed out. And so I was in a coma for 14 days. What? Um, yeah. A medically induced coma that they put me in actually. So. I woke up and it was Christmas Eve and I thought it was the next day. And I told my mom, I said, I need to get out of here. I have a concert to go to on Monday. And she said, oh, <laughs> it's, um, it's Christmas Eve. And I said, whoa. And, uh, you know, when I woke up, they weren't telling me anything. I had a ventilator. I was on a ventilator. So I couldn't um, speak. Oh, my gosh. So no one was telling me what happened. And I was so frustrated, but I couldn't express myself. And I was so weak. I couldn't, you know, raise my hands and my legs. Uh, but I noticed they were bandaged up all four of my limbs. And so I said, okay, this can't be good. By the time the nurse came in to uh, change my bandage, she took it out. And then I saw that they were black, blacker than night. I mean, they're full of gangrene. And, um, you know, I had a tattoo on my ankle actually that you couldn't even see the outline anymore. That's how dark it was. All I could see was, you know, the color of my fingernails, my nails were painted. So I, I said, okay, this, this really can't be good. 
So I, I just remember a doctor, a resident, actually, I remember how he looks like uh, vividly. He came in, he sat down and he told me, you know, you had a bacterial infection. So um, you went into septic shock, which is why we had to, you know, medically induce you. Um, but in order, you know, in order for you to survive, we're going to have to amputate all four of your limbs. Uh, he actually gave me the choice whether or not I wanted to live. One, because I'm an adult. And two, because I was awake and coherent. You know, despite all the meds, I was still uh, coherent. So legally, he had to tell me and it wasn't my mother's choice or any of my family members. So, you know, he asked me and right away I said, yes, you know, save my life. Save my life. Um, I'll live yeah. at the MPT. And I, he told, you know, I later found out that my mom, he went to my mom after and he asked her, do you think she understood the question? And my mom was like, yes, why? Well, she didn't cry or anything. She just said she answered yes. And she didn't show any emotion. I, I don't know. I think it was the meds or, or what, but I just. I or you were convicted in your yeah. answer. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I was in the hospital for a total of five months in the ICU. And then I went to a rehab out of state, actually. For seven months. So now I rely on prosthetic limbs to live my life. So oh my goodness. every day is a challenge, but I'm here and I'm thankful. So I got to keep What listening. a story. And I mean, you, you, you're thriving. I mean, from what Mike tells me before, and maybe we can probably bring Mike into the conversation. So Mike, how, how did you meet Karen and, 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 and how did this relationship get started between you two? Um, I actually met Karen through her counsel. Um, lawyer I've done work with in past who had reached out to me in 2017. This is about six years post incident and asking me, you know, Mike, I just need you to do some present cost evaluations for me. Um, an indemnity, you know, what's the present cost uh, for this young woman mm -hmm. um, who will receive indemnity benefits for life. And, and also she's receiving 24 seven home care. I said, really? So anyway, um, her lawyer asked me to price out this thing, you know, the cost for needs. And, you know, I did. And then um, as he negotiated the settlement, um, I finally got to meet her. Uh, initially, there, there was an offer of $100,000 by the defendant, the employer. Um, but he just said, you know, thanks, but no thanks. I'm not interested. Uh, I, I think he even felt that or might have suggested to Karen that I will guarantee this to you myself out of my own funds to please don't take this offer. Right. And so basically um, he worked up the case um, through discovery, through expert depositions, um, through medical records, and uh, ultimately resulted in a very significant settlement for Karen to address her ongoing needs. Um, included in that were uh, Medicare set aside because she is Medicare eligible um, because the primary caretaker for her is her mom. I suggested perhaps a special needs trust. Uh, clearly she is disabled and, and her mom is, is older. I worry about Karen. What happens when her mom isn't able to care for her anymore? Uh, that's key. So we, we've just established a trust. Uh, a management trust so that she's got access funds. If she ever needs to flip the switch, she can turn it into a special needs trust. But, you know, essentially, you know, what are the needs here and how do we go about filling them yeah. with, with a, an eye towards you know, something 
maybe goes wrong in the future, how do we fix it? And so we just kind of an all-encompassing look at her situation. Um, again, she's she's a very bright woman. She asks really good questions. Um, I think how she responded to her physician initially in the in the hospital was how she came about and and directed her questions to me and her counsel uh, during the negotiations. Well, what about this? And and how do I manage that? Um, phenomenal individual. Yeah. So Karen, when you're going through all of this, you just had this life altering experience happen to you. You, you're, you're basically dazed and confused coming out of the hospital, not sure what your future is going to look like. What are you feeling when people start talking about numbers and putting a value on your injury? You're like, well, this is my life. I mean, how, how do you process through that? That seems really intense. Yeah, no. And you're right. It, you know, it was intense, but to be honest with you, you know, like the law, my lawyer, the first thing he told me when I signed the papers, he, you know, he had a number in mind. And then I was in my mind, I was thinking, woohoo, you know, but, but then I, thought about it, I said, wait a minute, this, this is my life. You know, when he went home and I really thought about it and I said, I have to think about, you know, I have to put a lot of things into perspective. Uh, what I, what I might, uh, you know, the expenses might incur, like as far as medically and non-medically. And then I was thinking, okay, the cost of inflation, <laughs> I have to think about all these things, you know, when I'm 65, yeah. how is it going to be? So um, yeah, I had to really think about it, but I, I really went to, with Mike's advice, you know, being my uh, settlement consultant, as well as my attorneys, I use their professional advice to really uh, gauge what would be, a good number for me. Um, so Karen, if someone else is in your situation and they are staring down the end of their settlement or their claim, what things should they know that you have been through and that you would want to pass on to them? Um, you know, I definitely think that you have to be your own advocate in this. Um, mm. as helpful as your, you know, if you're married, your spouse or your family may be your caregiver. I'm sure they're helpful, but at the, ultimately, at the end of the day, this is your life. You have to worry about yourself and protect yourself, you know, especially when there's, you know, money involved. Sometimes people's true colors show. So you have to mm. make sure you protect yourself and so and educate yourself about things. Um, to be honest with you, in the beginning, I didn't know I my settlement was going to be in the form of a structural settlement, which is why I asked Mike I, when he came along, I said, who is this man? <laughs> is he my <laughs> attorney? Like, I don't understand right. because, you know, I'm sure my attorney said it, but maybe a lot of times he uses legal jargon and sometimes it just goes out the other ear. Sure. Sure. So uh, he probably thinks, Oh, she's ed educated. She understands, but no, I did not. So that's why I didn't know. I thought I was getting a lump sum. And that's why when Mike came along, I said, who are you? Who's going to pay you? Are you taking a part of my cut? In my mind, I was right. thinking that. So, right. you know, we, we asked him, uh, my mom and I, uh, you know, what is your position? You know, this and that. So, and I'm sure, I mean, I don't know if Mike would agree or not, but I asked him a lot of questions and I'm sure I asked him the same questions over and over because I just didn't understand. You know, yeah. I mean, I've never taken a finance or accounting class in my life. So some of the jargon that he was using, I said, what? Well, what's an annuity? You know, I didn't know. So I had to look it up and it was like I was in school again. I had notes. I, you know, when, when I wouldn't talk to him, I would go online and I would look some of the um, things that he would suggest that to educate myself. I would really, I mean, I wanted to make sure I understood this. Right. I had to be my own advocate. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Mike, Karen, you bring up a good point. Mike, maybe you can explain to our audience, how does a structured settlement consultant work within this relationship with the attorney? And and, and why would Karen maybe feel that way at first? Yeah. (laughs) Well, she didn't know me from Adam when I came on board initially. Again, um, I was introduced to Karen through her counsel, um, who has looked at upon our services as a way to evaluate cases. Um, and he understands, you know, what he doesn't understand. He, he you know, and what's this going to cost forever for my client who's very young? And, and how do I make sure that the value that I request in the way of a settlement demand is appropriate and, and reasonable? Um, and, you know, it, she... Karen brought up a really good point. I want to emphasize the fact that um, she didn't know who I was, so it was an educational process for her. She did ask the same question several times, <laughs> several questions several times, um, and she was a self-advocate, which really impressed me. Um, as a settlement consultant, I've seen situations where um, you know there are intermeddlers that come later on that have great ideas and you know this is what we can do with your money and 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 so basically she took it upon herself to educate herself um in a way that i'd not seen before and i've worked with a lot of people over the last 25 years i was most impressed with karen that you know she asked the good questions the hard questions you know how do i get paid okay the life company pays me it's built into the rates they charge um who are you uh, what's your background experience? How do you know Robert, the lawyer? Um, yeah, just deep dive questions. And and I've often told, whenever I get presentations, lawyers, judges, insurance carriers, I let her know up front that there are no dumb questions. And, and I mean that sincerely, particularly mm-hmm. in her position. Karen asked really, really good questions and challenged me. And you know, these are the people you want to do your best for every day. Yeah. Yeah. So Karen, when you, when you look back uh, at the decision point of the settlement and how your life has panned out to today, would you do anything different? Would you structure it a different way? W- w- anything different that you would have would have done? Uh, actually in the beginning, you know, there was some issues as far as, um, you know, really getting the disbursements, um, and I think that was more so uh, with the trust administrator that I had. Uh, it was just a little difficult. You know, sometimes I couldn't get a hold of her or whatnot. So it really didn't have to anything to do with, um, you know, the trust, the trustee. But actually, I, I noticed now um, they have an online account where you can view, you know, your, your money, what you asked for. And before, in the beginning, they didn't have that. And I was ready to actually bring it up to the head of the trustee organization and say, why can't we look, you know, uh, view how much money or ex- et cetera. But uh, they already did it. So I'm glad. I noticed things are improving with them each time that I go online. So I don't know what's going on, but I'm happy. So, uh, yeah, actually, I wouldn't change anything as far as right now. If I, if I can add, one of the things we wanted to ensure was that care never run out of money. And so we established a lifetime annuity benefit stream, um, paying into the trust. So as she uses funds, it's replenished, um, knowing that her basic needs, we, we did seed the trust with a good deal of money, um, enabled her to purchase a home and, 
you know, that was one of the issues initially getting money out of the trust to buy the house. <laughs> but, you know, essentially it just, she'll never run out of money. Um, we know that her basic needs will always be met, which was critical. Um, and then what she does with the extra funds, you know, we wanted her to have control. So we ensured that that was something that she could do going forward. If I could add something um, also for listeners who would get a settlement, if they can crunch some numbers in the beginning, as far as, you know, the fees that the trustee companies will charge, you know, because sometimes obviously that some company might charge this amount or there might be hidden fees. So, you know, in the beginning I was trying to figure out, okay, would it be cheaper if I went here or there, you know, sometimes, you know, if you want to, depending on how much you get, of course you want to take that into consideration. So that might be something that, you know, listeners might take into, you know, do themselves. Mike, you mentioned Karen's self-advocacy. Are most of your clients like that? Or do you have a different relationship with the advocacy process when you're their settlement consultant? You know, I, I, I mentioned Karen was a great self-advocate. And let me also say that I've worked with those that, that don't recognize, you know, the situation. They don't recognize, you know, the, the, the funds, they're finite. There's only a, a certain amount. I, I had a gentleman many years ago broke his back in a workers' compensation incident and his net settlement after fees and costs was going to be about $600,000. And he said, I want a cash. And I said, well, it's your money, but why would you do that? And his response was, my brother's a day trader. He's done really well. And I said, well, ask your brother about dollar cost average investing. He said, what's that? Go ask him. (laughs) He came back to me and said, my brother thinks it's a good idea. This was in 2008, 2009. He came back to me late 2010 to say, Mike, I just want to thank you. Um, I lost a little bit of money, not like my brother did. He lost almost everything. I still have money coming in every month. And I know I have a lump sum coming in at the end of 10 years. So as the market comes back, I think I'll be okay. I wish I'd done more uh, into the annuity. So it was simply a matter of educating him that, you know, think about what you do at the front. So you don't get taken advantage of later. Bad things happen. And he wasn't educated, but he let me um, educate him. And he did some own, of his own research in how I directed him. And he made a good good decision for himself. So, you know, that, that's the other side of the coin. Well, if I could sum everything up. So, Karen, other than your tenacity through this entire ordeal and your advocacy for yourself, I think some good key points we could take away from our self-advocacy, you know, being knowing what's right for you, leaning on the professionals that are working with you specifically, vetting the sources of information that are coming to you and do it in your own research and understanding where money's flowing, how it's coming in. But really it kind of, it seems like to be centered around the self-advocacy, self-advocacy part. Being a self-advocate was so important for her uh, because this, you know, sizable settlement, but also, point on, you know, this has got to last the rest of her life. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, her mom's her caretaker, primary caretaker. Um, We all know as we age, we're less able to do things. Um, I can't golf anymore. Very little. You've seen my golf. (laughs) (laughs) Because my back always hurts, you know, but the simple (laughs) fact is, you know, knowing that, you know, I got to think about myself. Um, I've got to think about long range. Mm -hmm. I've got to challenge people, you know, that they truly have my best interests at heart. 
Mm. Um, Karen did all those things right. So Karen, it's been 10, 11 years since your accident. How are you doing today? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So right now I, I take it one day at a time. Um, you know, it's, it's a long journey and I'm still getting used to my life as someone missing their hands and feet. Uh, it's some days are harder than others, but uh, really, I just try to you know, stay positive and, you know, I have great support system and that's really important. Mm. And um, yeah, I just try to really just take it one day at a time. That's my big motto. Well, Karen, thank you so much for sharing your story with us today and the wisdom that comes with it. Mike, thank you for being an advocate for Karen and, and uh, serving her in those needs. We appreciate both of your time. Thank you. Thanks. Before we go, We'd also like to thank our Ringler Radio sponsors, American General Life Company, Berkshire Hathaway, MetLife, Mutual of Omaha, New York Life, Pacific Life, Prudential, and USAA. Ringler is proud to partner with each of these companies as they provide competitive products for individuals seeking security for their financial futures. To learn more about Karen and booking her for a speaking engagement, we've included her contact information in the show notes. For more information about how Ringler Consultant can advocate for your financial future, check out the links in our episode notes or visit us at www.ringlerassociates.com. Ringler Radio is a production of Ringler Associates. All of the opinions expressed by the participants of this podcast are their own and do not represent any legal, tax, or financial advice from Ringler Associates. For more information about how to work with Ringler, visit www.ringlerassociates.com.